Hi, this is Mike Figliola, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is someone who's been around the television and radio markets for quite some time uh, with jobs as a writer, a reporter, a producer for outlets such as CNN, Sirius XM Radio, and various other local locations. But we have him here today to talk about his new book, The Slow Midnight on Cypress Avenue. So very excited to talk to him about that. We're, we're very proud to welcome Mike Figliola to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey guys, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you for joining Appreciate us. It. We're looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Mike, first things first, congratulations on your book. It's it's been amazingly reviewed and loved by the readers for its authenticity of the neighborhood that you wrote about and for the heart that you gave the stories that are contained within. I looked it up on Amazon. I looked it up on Goodreads. I looked it up on Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I the think you carried amazing. Four, yeah, I think you carried a, the lowest review I saw was like a 4.7 average. So that's out of a five star, that's pretty amazing in this world for you to be able to carry that. And that's, it wasn't like you had one or two reviews. I'm talking like these are 60, 70 reviews per location. So your book is, has been very well received. But for those of uh, our audience who aren't familiar with your book or, or the stories behind it, if you would please tell our audience what your influences were behind the book and also the title, The Slow Midnight on Cypress Avenue. Yeah, sure. And thank you again for, for having me on the program. Um, you know, the, the book is a, um, sort of a love letter to my my childhood. Um, now look, when you read the book, it's a little darker, it's got some other stuff going on in it that's, uh, uh, you know, it's sometimes questionable, you know, I guess in terms of uh, when, you, when you look at what a neighborhood may or may not be, but it's a real authentic look at Cypress Avenue, which is a thoroughfare that runs, kind of straddles the, um, the border of Brooklyn and Queens, uh, New York City. So that's a um, two, two boroughs that, uh, comprised the the, um, the city of New York. And this, I, I really loved Cypress Avenue because there are folks there that remind me of how I kind of grew up. My mom's a homemaker. My dad was a cop. My grandfather was in the Navy. So, you, you know, I come from a blue collar uh, sure. background. Yeah. And, and you know, so I, I really felt like that, that those people are not written about. You know, when you think about New York, Unfortunately, you think about Broadway or you think about Wall Street, you know, you never think about Cypress Avenue, you know, and I, I wanted to write about those people, the guy standing at the bus stop, the butcher, the, you know, the, the baker, the candlestick maker, you know, you know those, those folks are really, <laughs> are, are really who, who matter to me because they, they, are the, they are the people who are making this world move um, and are not heralded in any, any way. So that's what's insp what inspired me. My family roots inspired me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really hope I, I gave a neighborhood book, you know, so even though it's New York City, I really hoped it, it translated to like Pittsburgh or St. Louis or, you know, even to San Diego or up in Niagara Falls. I don't, I don't really care where it went to. It's, you know, even though we, I talk about stoops, which in New York City, stoops are like the steps that lead up to your apartment right. or your house. Right. In, in other places, it's a porch or, or you know, some sort of landing that leads you up to the home. People sit out there and they talk and they do things. And when I grew up, that's how we did things. 
So I was kind of kind of um, hoping to remind people that look, you have neighbors because I don't know about you guys. You may you may feel this in your neck of the woods, but I don't see people outside anymore. I don't see kids running around. It's really weird. And I was hoping that that kind of the, the book I wrote would remind people of that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying uh, yeah. about the not seeing people out and around in the neighborhoods because I, yeah. I grew up in um, mostly in, in out in the rural areas, and you know, me and my friends would always go out in the woods, and you know, we'd always do stuff. You couldn't hardly keep us inside, you know. And when I when I did live in the city, I mean, we were out playing in the streets. Uh, you know, we just had to be home when the uh, streetlights turned on. That was time for us to be inside. You know, that was. That was that was our timer. That was our alarm. You know, once that streetlight came on, boy, you better get home. You know, but you know, you you drive through that same city. You know, because it's only about half hour from where I live now, and I'll drive through there. And I'll drive by the old neighborhood every now and then. You know, just kind of you know a uh, little uh, drive down memory lane, so to speak. And yeah, there's no there's no kids outside playing. There's no kids out there. You know, we used to play. Uh, you know, a lot of kids played stickball. We we played uh, we we did it with a a a broom and a a broom handle and a, a tennis ball. You know, that was our our version of stickball where where I live because that way if it hit a car we wouldn't get in trouble. And uh, <laughs> and you're not quite old enough to have played stick and hoop. So yeah, you know, and it's just uh, you know I I don't see that anymore. So it, yeah, I it's think not because you had a bad not because you had a bad home life. No. You just wanted to be out. And, and mom and dad would say, hey, look, when it's time for dinner, get your ass home. And that's the end of it. Like, when, same thing with me. Like, you know, I just came home, you know, and not because I had a bad home life. It was, it was just, it was time to come home. Yeah, right. I literally, I literally lived across the street from the elementary school growing up. We were always over at the playground, always, all summer. As long as dad gave me permission across the street, we were over at the playground playing. And my mm-hmm. sister lives in that same house now, and you barely ever see kids over there playing now. Why do you think that is, Kathleen? What What do you? What do you Honestly, I mean, the last couple of years, I was definitely going with the oh, it's just the pandemic. Oh, it's just the pandemic. But thinking further back mm-hmm. than that, it's that they've been inside with their phones and their tablets and their multiplayer right. online games. And I, I never wanted to be the the curmudgeonly old adult who's like, well, ooh, you're on your tablets too much and you're on your screens too much. But it's true. It's true. And we've got constant information being thrown at us from technology that we've forgotten mm-hmm. how to go outside and play. Agreed. Sad. Yeah. I, I think that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. We, with the change of technology, there's been a lot of good things that have happened. A tremendous amount of things. I mean, without technology, we're not having this conversation right now, Right. you know, not, not in this format anyway. And, but at the same time with that change of technology, there's come all the things that Kathleen just mentioned where, where, you know, kids are now able to keep their attention by just sitting still and parents are giving their kids, you know, here, here's my phone. Just, just go watch something on YouTube, go watch something on Disney, go, you know, whatever. And I, Mm -hmm. and I think that that takes away from, you know, the kids' imaginations and things like that. Cause even when my kids was, they were growing up, it was, you know, if it was, if it wasn't raining or snowing, get out there, go do something, you know, even though they grew up in my house that had Xboxes and Playstations and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, yeah, it's it's a different environment. I've had to bring my daughter in screaming because it's the, you are sweating to the point where your hair is dripping. You need to come inside. I don't care that you don't want to come inside. You are going to get sick if you don't like, I've, I've had that conversation with her. She's only three 
but that was that was this summer was the she wanted to be outside she wanted to be playing and i'm like but you're gonna get heat stroke so mike as tim mentioned we we're definitely here to talk about your book and to help promote your book because that's huge and that's amazing but we also like getting to know the person behind the book a little bit so from my research about your life and by research i mean scrolling through your twitter and your instagram you're also a musician stock yes research it's research research. when you research (laughs) so what kind of music do you play and what instrument do you play i am a drummer by trade um and i play some guitar and a little bass and this and that um i'm all self-taught so that's kind of what's important to me i like being Mm self-taught i've never I, i don't know i've come from a family of musicians my mom's a musician my uncle my great uncle somebody was a juilliard i don't know the bottom line is that i have some musical ability from them which i'm very lucky to have um and music is very much very much and i don't mean to divert it back to the writing because i think everyone's like music with you but it it fuels my writing um i use you know I'm, i'm a weird writer i guess where i like to have a lot of stimuli happening where there's music and some kind of movie going on, things in the background while I write. It doesn't distract me. It actually enhances what I'm doing. And so um, music has been a part of that. But yeah, I'm a musician. I've played for years. I actually toured for a little while when I was a, you know, a kid many nice. years ago, back in the 90s and um, early 2000s. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. I'm, I'm, I still play. I still dabble. You know, I, I, gotta, I get a little wrist pain now, you know, so I got to kind of take it easy but at the same time I, I still like to uh like to fool around with it that's awesome that's awesome music Thank is you. a huge thing in our house too um we who's your I, favorite band do you have a favorite group favorite group is actually bowling for soup i love them who's bowling for soup i don't know they anything about are a, they're a punk rock band from texas it's cool they're the guys who did the um phineas and ferb theme song i did oh really i did yeah. not know that cool yeah i know phineas and ferb though so yeah, yeah they, they performed the Phineas and Ferb theme song. They've got a bunch of other songs too. They've got a few albums. Um, but their album, The Great Burrito Extortion Case, was the first CD that I bought for myself when I was a teenager. And it's ridiculous. It's just as ridiculous as the title. So it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, that's wild. I mean, um, I'm a big Primus fan, Deftones. I like John Lennon. Primus um, is fun. Oh man, nice. I'm a big. I've, I've seen Primus for years and years and years and years. Nice. Um, a big Police fan. Um, you know, I I, I like a, a band called Failure. You guys got to check out Failure. If you don't know Failure, I don't know Failure. Please, please check them out. They're a '90s band that went away and then came back, and um, they are a lot of fun and a band you would love. Awesome. Uh, if you want some yeah. droney space rocky stuff, but they're 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 kind of cool. Yeah. I'll definitely check them out. A lot of the bands you just mentioned are all bands that are, are part of my repertoire. Uh, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, personally. Pearl Jam and Stone oh, yeah. Temple Pilots are probably my top two uh, bands of all time. I got to see Stone, um, Stone Temple Pilots at their last show in New York at the Paramount, nice. which was in Huntington. And I got, I, I'll send, Tim, I'll send these to you. These are, I got some up-close up pictures of the band. I was in the press pit. And I got to have, I mean, wild pictures of Scott Weiland with a megaphone and all oh, this nice. crazy stuff, you know, and, and um, they were, it's really sad. That whole situation is so sad because you know, I'm sure like you feel this was an, an un, unamazing band 
and um, oh, yeah. they just couldn't get it together because of Scott or whatever egos yeah, or whatever went on there. Scott, you know, Scott had a lot of demons and, you yeah. know, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So on Fridays at five o'clock, we do our, what we call our five at fives. And they're always just five things that I have to do with whatever pop culture item we want to talk about. Like, uh, Kathleen did hers today and hers is about Ryan Reynolds, her favorite five things about uh, Ryan Reynolds. Why he should uh, be America's favorite. Mid mobile. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's on there. It is on my list. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I did my top five favorite Scott Weiland cover songs away from mm. Stone Temple Pilots. Mm. Um, of course, included in that was a song that he did with, with Velvet Revolver. Uh, which I got to see Velvet Revolver on their first tour for Contraband. And I was oh. in the front row right there. Amazing concert. Just, awesome. And, I, and yeah. I had seen, I had seen STP, you know, several times over the years and after they, you know, before they broke up, you know, and he went to Velvet Revolver and after he left Velvet Revolver and they came back, I went and saw him one more time. Um, but yeah, it was, he has always been one of my favorite front men to watch because he was just so amazing and almost intoxicating on the stage to watch his movements, the way he did things. And mesmerizing. Yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was even funnier because the band Hoobastank opened for Velvet Revolver, which was Hoobastank. not, which was, they should have never been on that card. That was yeah. no, they, they did not exactly. fit. <laughs> and to, cause so I'm, I'm sitting there front row and I'm, you know, I'm looking up at the band and, you know, there, it was at the Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit. And great, great spot, yeah, yeah. great venue for a concert. Yeah. Awesome venue yep. for a concert. And we're there, cool. we're, we're looking up, we're watching the band and, and Hoobastank's up there. And I'm like, I'm keep like looking at my watch. Like, are you guys done yet? And the guys behind me are giving them such a ration of crap. Just, oh, just force feeding them. Booing them out. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny uh, by the, by about uh, halfway through their set, the guitarist would just walk by, you know, where we're standing and flip off the guys behind me. Cause it was just, just, <laughs> you know, but he'd be, he, you know, be, uh, in the middle of the song, you know, the other guys going away on a guitar, guitar solo. And he just looks at these guys and just flips them off. And it was just, it was actually kind of funny. Uh, you know, me and my buddy would just turn around and give him a high five. I'm like, you guys, you guys are good. We like you. Uh, <laughs> See, it's funny. Uh, yeah. So I, I did not have that many live experiences with, with music which is sad i mean i have live experience with musicals and operas and uh symphonies but <laughs> like concert wise i've been to an abney park concert which they're a steampunk group out of seattle and kansas like i went and saw kansas it was an anniversary present for my mother-in-law four years ago but are you talking about kansas like wayward sun yeah Ah, I was I like, saw them, being, I saw them a yes. I was like the second awesome. youngest person. Oh, that's in cool. That'd be a good show. Yeah. Place. yeah. yeah. Oh, please cool. tell me at some point somebody yelled out, You're my boy, Blue. No, <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> that's a wasted opportunity right there. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, it was their it was their left overture um concert. So they did the entire album in order, which is great because Wayward Son is everybody's favorite song off of that album, and it's the right. only one that has no intro. So like as soon as they start and it's just exploding with people cheering, I'm like, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And I'm, I'm, it was a fantastic experience. And then laughing yeah. at the fact that half of the band is 60 plus and it's like, I don't care. I don't care. You are still rocking it. I can see that you're all wearing orthopedic tennis shoes and you have squishy mats you're standing on. So your knees don't hurt. It's okay. 
Because I'm I'm happy and I'm enjoying it. Rocking them new balances. All right. I know. Uh, so all right. So Mike, I am always in awe of people who are writers and who can write and put their thoughts together and things like that because I am not a writer in any way, shape, or form. I I I cannot formulate my thoughts that way. I have tried over the years in different ways, and it's just hasn't been very successful for me. I can talk, however, uh, a, a lot. I talk a lot, probably more than I should. Shut up, Kathleen. Anyway, um, but I have never seen myself as a writer, much less as a poet. And having to find words that rhyme, the idea, the thought of it honestly stresses me out. Um, so in addition to your book, I, from what I saw that you've also done quite a bit of poetry, along with reading them at the, the famed Cornelia Street Cafe. So does poetry come naturally to you? Is this something that you have to, or is it something you have to work towards? And do you prefer poetry over novels or either way? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I started out as a poet. Um, I went to the college I went to on this poetry scholarship. Um, although I don't, I, I'm not sure why they gave it to me because it was really like, you know, my, my poems were, were good, but I mean, they, I don't know if they were in line with what they were doing, but I guess they thought like, Hey, this guy's, this guy can write, so we'll, we'll bring him in. Um, you know, I don't try to rhyme. Like you, you brought up rhyming poetry, and that 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 happens a lot. And I do I do mix that in. Um, but I, I try to um, write my poetry, which is more sort of um, soliloquy, like um, first person stories from the street, where um, okay. I'm talking about the subways or the people on the subways, or I have a poem called the the, the people of the trains. What I did was sit on a train and and this is going to you know sound a little mad but um i sat there uh and um people watched on a train that goes from one end of uh queens all the way into coney island brooklyn the f train this is the this is the f train and it goes back and forth and you can ride it, it takes a long time to get back and forth and i kind of sat there and people watched and wrote these stories in poetic verse about these people. And I, I, I find that fascinating because really um, in New York, and I, I think anywhere you can find this, but definitely in New York City, there are folks who are um, not of the uh, regular uh, cut, of, cut of regular ilk, right? You're gonna go find all these, all these folks, right? Running around who are uh, homeless or they're, uh, you know, some guy that just got fired and he's pissed off. You know, whatever's going on. And and these were the people on the train. I, I remember writing about this one woman who was in this red coat. I'll never forget her. She was just in a red coat. I don't know if she had any clothes on underneath because the the, clo the coat was kind of shuttered and you can kind of see her legs and ankles and there was nothing up here by the, uh, the nape of the neck. And uh, I just kind of started writing a, a, a made-up story about her. You know, so to me, poetry can be anything. It can be a... Rosa red, violets of blue type thing. I don't, you know, really prescribe to that. Really, I don't like that. I like sort of poems that tell stories, um, and that is what propelled me. That kind of poetry writing propelled me into um, book book writing, which is where the slow midnight in Cypress Avenue, um, the the book we're talking about today, uh, that was started as a poem title, and I wrote a poem called "A Slow Midnight in Cypress Avenue." Uh, somebody told me I always tell the story. Somebody told me, hey, if you don't write a book called The Slow Men on Cyber Saving, I'm stealing the poem. I'm writing, I'm writing the book. And, and, you're, and, and I think the next day I snapped my fingers. I was, I was writing a book the next day. So oh, um, cool. yeah, you know, it was a um, 
it was like a, you know, when I, I always liken this to when Hunter S. Thompson said that he wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. When you come up with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you can't leave that title behind. You have to do something with it. Right. I don't care sure. if you put it on your, make it your epitaph or whatever the hell it is. But I I decided to put it on a book and I made the slow minute on Cypress Avenue in my book. So um super proud of it. I'm really, I'm really into it. And um, I'm hoping it, it, you know, it, it resonates with the folks that I wrote about. You know, again, I loosely based it on people. I don't want anybody to think they're in there because I'll get sued. But the bottom line is like, I think that, um, you know, uh, the book is about a group of people there. And, you know, it, I, it was important to me to get the poetry into the, uh, to, to the novel form. That's really cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think, I think the only time that I would write, I, I would say that I wrote anything even remotely poetry esque, other than when my, my English teacher said I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was more of the roses are red, violets are blue, you know, right. type sure. of thing. Um, I think the only thing that I would say that I, I wrote that was even slightly even poetry-esque, uh, I think I was about 16 or 17, and I had my heart broke by a girl, and I thought my world was over, and I and I was up late one night just sad writing, and, you know, and and it just like this this whole, and I, I, I had, for whatever reason, I had like stowed that away in some boxes, and I was moving, and I, I found it like, 10, 15 years ago. And I pulled that out. I'm like, what's this? Oh God, I still have that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That got, yeah, that was destroyed. It was 16 year old angst poetry is some of the best. No, this, that, that was not this. No, that, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm not that conceited where I'm like, Oh yeah, everything I do is art. Uh, But uh, I, you know, the things that I I do well, I I will say that I do well, the things that I don't do well, I'm more than happy to say that I don't do well. And that was one of the things that I did not do well. I thought for whatever reason at the time, I think it was because 16 year old me thought he was way cooler than he was. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. uh, Yeah. I think, I I think poetry is a place where you can sort of um, uh, scream a little, you know, Mm -hmm. like kind of, Give, give give yourself a, a place to yell and, and say whatever like you said I, it doesn't matter if your poetry was bad or good you, you had a place to express whatever the hell you were feeling at 16 and and that's that's what's good about it you know and uh it's harder today to be accepted as a poet because there's all these like you know long fellow and all these guys that have come before us that, that you know you can't they take the cake you know you can't you can't even come near them right. uh and 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 so it's it's sort of a personal experience, I think, when you when you do poetry, uh, and it was that for me. Look again, I I um I was po- published a couple times with my poetry, but what was in, exciting to me, and you brought this up earlier, the Cornelia Street Cafe. This is kind of cool, Kathleen. Too, you'll you'll like this. Yeah. It, I I got to hang out in this public forum that was you know really avant garde, sort of like you know hippie sh- stuff. You know what I mean? Really funny stuff. So so I, I got to be down there and. You know, are you guys Sopranos fans? Do you guys watch the Sopranos? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. John John Ventimiglia, who plays Artie Bucco in mm-hmm. that show, mm-hmm. used to come and hang out and read poetry with me on this weird stage with David Amram, who is a um, world-famous jazz composer and former, like, best friend of Jack Kerouac. You know, so I had... Oh, wow. Spoke. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I can't believe they accepted me there. I don't know why they did. They did. Um, uh, this guy, Kevin Twig, who's a really famous, um, jazz drummer. And we got, to, I got to play on stage with these guys. That was to me, what was cool about what I was doing, whether or not, um, the poetry resonated with anybody, 
I hoped it did. Right. But that experience um, really gave me uh, the courage to continue on with my writing. That's awesome. And, um, you know, the books and stuff and stuff I've done afterwards. Yeah. Just as a, sorry, just as a curiosity, because I've never been to a club or a, a, any place like that. Are there really bongos involved? No, see that that sucks. You know, I mean, like I hate that the SNL ruined it. You know, it's like you know, you, you All know. I can think uh, of Steve now is uh, so I so I married an axe murder. Yeah, right. Oh my god, one of my favorite movies, <laughs> Harriet. Oh Harriet. oh Harriet. Like and you talk about poetry readings and jazz musicians, yeah. and all I can think of is. So I married an axe murder, or when Sheldon yeah. starts playing bongos in Big Bang Theory, and it's like I, <laughs> they've they've taken that stereotype so far. Yes, it's that. I have to be honest. That's really actually that. No, no, just kidding. No, it's um. <laughs> I mean, I would still totally go to a place like that. That's you would still go. Right? You're like, oh, I, I'm going. Um, no, so yeah, it's a um. No, it's not like that. It's a uh, the one I went to anyway. I I don't do this often. Only there at the Cornelius Street, Cornelius Street Cafe, where I was um, asked to, to come read like that. No, it's it's more of like a, a celebration of music and different things. And when I came up there, the jazz band just started playing some uh, jazz on, you know, whatever it was, um, number that that they made up, kind of, you know, just improvised and extemporaneous type of thing. And I, I read my poetry and. When I said it was done, I, I kind of like was it, you know, boom, and they stopped. So nice. uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was it was um, exhilarating. I'm lucky to be a part of it, and uh, man, it's it's really cool. It's it it's really, really fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's an experience, right? I mean, it's all it's really what it is. And I think that yep. the experience is the biggest part about art. Like, hundred percent. They say that art is in the eye of the beholder, and I think with with any yep. sort of audio. Um, art source the arts in the ears of the beholder at that point so. agreed 100 percent. yeah really it's what it is right it's what you take away from it like you know it, it's the forum is nice the the platform is nice but at the end of the day it's what everybody walks away with and you know whatever that is mm-hmm. you know that's what's important excellent yeah i remember looking up uh you know and finding out that you had uh read it at cornelia and they mentioned John's name and I'm like, why do I know him from something? And I had to look him up. I looked him up on IMDb. I'm like, oh yeah, you mentioned Sopranos, but where I, I think where I probably knew him more from is he was also on Blue Bloods. He played Dino on Blue Bloods and mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite shows. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's how I know him. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> nice man. Great actor. Absolutely. So cool. Absolutely. Agreed. That's such, a, that's such a cool experience. So we talked a little bit pre-show about the fact that you're a sci-fi fan, which I find fascinating as a fellow nerd. I could nerd out about sci-fi all day, every day. Uh, as as we day. mentioned, Tim's the <laughs> Star Wars nerd. I am a Doctor Who nerd, specifically. Love I love Doctor Who. I love Boom. Doctor Who. It's <laughs> so much fun. Um, mm. But I mean, Star Wars, Star Trek, anything sci-fi I have watched and loved so what got you into sci-fi and what's your what's your part of the nerdverse? Where do you fit? Awesome question. I'd love to expand on this for a few hours. So um, <laughs> we'll make, we'll oh, make time oh, for the you. podcast is only 20 more minutes, whatever. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> D- David Tennant. Uh, I, I love I, I kind of. So, OK, you're probably going to you know, like yell at me, but I kind of started there. Big fan starting a Doctor Who there and onward. Um, Did you at least but, go back and watch? 
I tried. Nine. I've done. I've done some stuff. I've done. I, I. I need to be better. I need to be scolded. I need to be told to go do it. <laughs> and I will. I definitely will get back to it. Um, Twilight Zone was a part of my youth. Rod Serling is one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a genius writer. I got to interview his daughter. Was very oh, lucky wow. to nice. do so. Yeah, Anne Serling, very, very nice woman. Um, I love love that genre. There's something about dreaming and fantasizing and and um, thinking about the possibilities of everything. Mm-hmm. Serling is a, is a master at that. Um, Ray Bradbury is a master at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know that kind of led me into Star Trek. You know, which was Gene's vision. Mm-hmm initially and then you know as it as it progressed forward um i i i think i'm a trekkie uh, like like um serling fan a hundred percent you know farscape i mean i can i I mean i think it's everything i mean i i don't know where it ends for me because because really sci-fi is 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 where my heart lies um i will watch documentaries all day on on all this stuff on ufos all these things that really just just i love it all i mean it really you know again the the more um uh crazy and obscure the better mm-hmm. and um you know it's it's shaped my writing in a lot of ways too because when you read this my, my book the slow midnight in cypress avenue i kind of implement some serling-esque um stuff in it ghosts kind of stuff and i don't want to give too much away but you know if you ever dig into the book deeply you'll see like it's in there um yeah and um and i'm and i'm glad i did i'm a better writer for it it's my go-to like when i get up in the morning i put on star trek the next generation (laughs) like i don't care where i left off i'm i'm you know it it just you know recycles it just keeps going oh yeah for me that's me with star wars i get it and oh star wars too i mean god I mean, uh, hey, uh, where are you, Tim? Where are you at on the, I mean, on the on the the trilogies? Like, where where are you there? Love <laughs> them you, all. You love Actually, them all. I, I honestly, I, I'm of the I'm, I'm of the mindset that they all have their issues, but I, mm-hmm. I love them for their faults. And you know, I, I tend I, to I, agree. Yeah, I I came in at the you know obviously I'm I'm 45, so I I came in with the original trilogy. I still proclaim that Empire Strikes Back is the best movie of all time, not just my favorite Star Wars movie. Fantastic. You and Star Wars are yeah. the same age. Wow, sorry, took me a second there. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm 43. I will boot you from this show. Uh, but yeah, so you know, for me, that's that's been always been with me. Uh, my whole life. I, I absolutely adore Star Wars. There are mm. things about the sequel trilogies that I'm not a fan of. There are things that I would have liked to have seen differently. But I also have to realize that, uh, you know, unlike most Star Wars fans, or like lately it seems, I realize that I'm not going to get my cake and eat it too. That there are going to be things that, they're, that they are going to take a creative difference away from maybe where I thought they should have gone or where they could have gone. But instead of instead of being grumpy about it and being, oh, fire Kathleen Kennedy, I'm like, you know what? Bring on more content. I'm going to enjoy it despite the things that that I have frustrations with. And, and you know, Kathleen, I think that goes back to something we were talking about with with bands. Um, so for, let's bring up Deftones, for example. Like I'm a, I'm a Deftones fan. Sure. Um, I think one of their later latter albums was kind of like everybody sh- like um, set, you know, poo pooed on it. Mm-hmm. They really weren't into it. But, you know, it adds to the catalog of what they've done, right? So it's the same thing like Star Wars. Like, whether or not you, you know, I love the, the, the original uh, trilogy and and there were things about the, the reboot or whatever, or the, the first three episodes mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that that had its problems. Um, and there were things with the you know the the J.J. Um, Abrams um, stuff that that didn't work out. But I loved so much of all of it, and I still will go back and watch all of it. Um, oh, yeah. I will say, I will give you one thing, and just just to get a little tangent, yeah. I just rewatched the Lord of the Rings. I mean, straight through. Nice. And I am telling you, that is the. I, I want to write uh, Peter Jackson an email and just tell him thank him because he gave a gift to the planet. He did. Oh, absolutely. And that's the, that trilogy. It is. I cried a bunch of times. I uh, I, I was. I, I can't explain the emotions he brought out, and also the the uh, just the visual of it all just really brought something to life that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I've watched, you know, mm-hmm. in, forget, forget Jurassic Park or forget all these movies that really would, you know, bring something like even, even, even Lucas with his movies. Mm-hmm. I, I just think there was something about the Lord of the Rings. Um, I agree. Now, you know, I, I, when I got the uh, Amazon news is when I rewatched it. So. Um, oh yeah. With the, the rings of power, the rings of power. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm excited for that. about. Y'all cannot wait i am too i am too yeah we and are it so looks great about that. i feel feel good about it but like again i just feel like uh peter jackson gave a gift to the world and and god bless him for it and i know under on an underappreciated gift if you ask and i know me, that there so. are people too yeah. who argue with mm-hmm. me he did so well with with the lord of the rings trilogy but then mm-hmm. the hobbit happened and it's like but yeah yeah the hobbit happened and he took a book that you can read in an hour and a half and turned it into three movies that was technically unnecessary agreed but it was fun it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun after i mean yeah the the movies are quite different from the book but i still like them it's so great i I still own them i watched the lord of the rings before (laughs) i read the books i hadn't read the books when the movies came out oh wow okay watched the three movies loved them read all of the books read the hobbit tried to read some of his other stuff that's just similarian or yeah yeah, yeah. It's hard on your brain. It is mm-hmm. yep. hard mm-hmm. on your brain. So yep. then when the Hobbit trilogy came out and I'm like, oh, okay, so we'll watch, I love the Hobbit. And then you kind of do sit there and pick at the, that's not in the book. That's not in the book. That's not how that happened. Why are, why are they here? They should be there, but right. it's still fun. I think, I think a lot of times what happens is that people have to learn how to turn the critic off in their brain. And just and learn to watch it for the art and the enjoyment of of the piece that's been made and has been set in front of them instead of being critical of everything, because, you know, nowadays, everybody's a critic, you know, everybody's, you know, they got a Twitter account, they're a critic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I mean, that's how I got started. I'm a Twitter account holder. I got to I'm going to anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, it, it's, you know, it's the type of thing where we just have to learn to be able to sit down and, and enjoy and appreciate it for what it is, not for what it isn't. And that, that that applies to so many forms of the arts, whether it's music, whether it's comic book creation, whether it's, you know, in this case, writing a book or, or things along mm-hmm. those lines. There's always going to be somebody who who says, well, it should have been this. Because right. that's how the how that's how they want it, but that's not always the way it works. So yeah. learn to appreciate it for what it is, not what it is. I agree, though, that Peter Jackson did amazing with the movie. Yeah, absolutely, they're fantastic. And now I want to go watch yeah. it again. We uh, on our other show, <laughs> Funny Science Fiction Podcast, we got an opportunity to interview Jed Brophy from who was in all of the all six of the movies, hmm. and uh, you know he he. You want to talk about somebody who speaks highly of, of Peter Jackson, and he, you know he even said I, I'd work do another movie with for Peter tomorrow for free. 
that's mm-hmm. how good of how much he enjoyed being on the sets and working for Peter uh, and, and with Peter. So and he yeah, was kinda, um, Nori, right? Yeah. He was Nori yeah. the dwarf in The Hobbits. In The Hobbit. So but he was a lot of fun and legitimately the. I, I've never heard somebody talk that nicely about anybody. Yeah, ever. any director. You know, people always say, oh, yeah, it was nice to be on the set. We really enjoyed everything else. You know, I've never heard anybody say, yeah, you wouldn't have to pay me to be on his next movie. I would just want to be part of it. I get that same vibe. I, 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 I don't know why. I mean, it's just that which was which is what prompted me to say I really want to contact him and thank him. I, I just yeah, there's something I feel, about those films. I yeah. feel like, too, he had he had a huge upper hand when doing the movies with having Christopher Lee involved in the movies since oh, Christopher right, Lee yeah. knew Tolkien. Right, and right, in addition right. to the, there's stories about him telling them that that's not what it sounds like when you stab somebody, that that sound effect is wrong. You need a different sound because he killed oh, Nazis in World oh, War really? II. Like he wow. knew what it sounded like to stab people. And I'm like, Christopher Lee was a bad mamma jamma. He was that dude. <laughs> he was yeah. scary, but he was not awesome. to mention he was a metal band. So, you know, all right. All right. So, one of the other things I, I found when I was doing my research uh, for you, and uh, hopefully the internebs, the interwebs have not led me astray, is that you are a huge New York Mets fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lenny awesome. Dykstra, who's one of the 86 Mets heroes, wrote a blurb for my book. So if you're by my book, you'll, cool. you'll see him in there. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I cool. saw that. Yeah. Uh, so I've always, here's my question for you about, about how and why you're a Mets fan. So, mm-hmm. um, because I've always wondered about people who live in areas where there's two teams of the same sport, you know, mm. whether it's, you know, like the Jets versus the Giants or the Yankees versus sure. the, the, the Mets. Cause in Michigan, we have the Tigers and we have the Lions for some reason. And we have the Red Wings, uh, you know, but so we, you know, there's not like there's a, a plethora of choices over here as far as what teams to follow and whatnot. But what was it that made you choose the Mets? over the Yankees was it because you were in the Queens area and they're they're right there or was it something else about the team well let me tell you a couple things so I did not choose to be a Mets fan or a Jets fan I was indoctrinated by my family to 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 be a Mets and Jets fan um but I wouldn't have it any other way Okay, let me let me say right now, just probably how you are a Lions fan, no matter how no Barry Sanders or who who's never doesn't matter who's there, you're gonna be a Lions fan, right? And a Flyers fan, and and you'll love you'll love the Tigers no matter what goes on, right? I mean, 84 was right. your year. That was it. But I mean, uh Kenny Rogers gave you some hope in 2004. Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Some, 04, some, some, oh, 04, 06, 06, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, something like that. We, we um, almost thought we might kind of could sort of have a chance and then we died and you know, anyway. Yeah. So we still love them. To, yeah. Oh yeah. I love them too. I love the, I love the Tigers. Um, why I love these teams and the Tigers and the Mets and more the Mets is, you know, these are, these are folks who, you know, every year you're disappointed, right? So every year you're hoping what I love about baseball and the Jets and the Giants and the Mets and all these teams, I hate the Yankees. I will never like the Yankees. They can burn wherever they want to burn. But um, but I, I, I will I will say that every year you get the opportunity to love the losers one more time, right? I love them every year. I hope they're there. Um, I wrote Pete Rose into my book. I wrote Dower Strawberry into my book. Nice. Um, 
Why? Because those are, there's something about baseball and, and um, you know, I don't, Kathleen, I, I don't, don't sound like you're a baseball. I, I am. Um, not baseball. I mean, hockey more than baseball, but I grew up okay. watching both. Cool. All right. Gotcha. All right, but, but Tim, maybe you can identify with this a little more where, you know, your team, the, those you, you held on to, you, you know, you, you, you want to believe in them and you hope they're there every year and they sort of do their best and they come a little short. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of what my book's about. These are these people who, you know, they're hoping and trying and, and working and moving towards something bigger. The, the, the world series uh, in, trophy, but they don't get there. You know, they're trying for it. They're still, they still get on the right. bus. They're still going through the, going through the sludge or whatever. And um, that's, I think, sports in that way equates, in, in baseball at least anyway, equates to my book. But I loved writing the heroes in, people to aspire to, like a Pete Rose or Daryl Strawberry, you know, whether they're flawed or not. You know, these guys were drug users and also, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, sports betting and things like that. Mm -hmm. but, but, but there's something about them that's almost unattainable to the regular, the regular human, like you and I. Like, you know, these are super people. You know, I will right, never get right. 4,000 baseball hits. You know, the conditioning and all that that goes into that. So I, I love the thought of them. And, um, you know, I don't want to deify them, but also I, I think it's good to, to remember them and oh, yeah. to, look, to look forward to, to those kind of folks. So as a Mets fan, to answer your question, uh, I was indoctrinated. I can't quit them. I never will. I'll suffer every year. And uh, I'll, I'll be complaining about it next year if I'm ever on your podcast again. <laughs> but, <laughs> You know, it's, it's kind of what it is. Yeah, I get that. I understand. I was heartbroken yeah. when when Kurt Gibson left the Tigers for the Dodgers. I, I do oh, mean man. heartbroken. He was my favorite player. And, Great home player. Yep. Yeah, and that killed me as a kid to to see him go to the Dodgers. But I was also excited when he he hit that that home run off of Eckersley. You know, and that 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 vision of, of him fist pumping as he ran around the bases will always be burned into my memory. Gives me chills. Gives me chills yeah. to be watching it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And then he came back to the Tigers, you know, as a coach and I was like, yeah, we got Gibby back. And then he left again. And that made me sad again. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I know I, I get it. I do. And I had a chance to meet one of my uh, childhood heroes with Lenny Dykstra and spend time with him, not just meet him. I, I, I befriended him. We're, we're friends. And, um, you That's know, cool. whether, whether you, you agree with his politics or whatever, he, he's uh he's a he's got a great heart and a good guy and one hell um, of a tough dude one hell, hell of a tough dude and was really nice enough to give me a little plug and you know he wrote shea stadium in my book i mean god i, I gushed and what was i supposed to say right. you know, he wrote right. such a nice uh nice nice thing for me so that's cool um, yeah he did that was that's a really yeah, good blurb very cool yeah yeah so like we were saying that there's not a lot of i mean in in michigan you've got your professional teams and they're all in Detroit and that's that's fine but we do have a lot of minor league teams which I always thought was fun growing up that was more of what we did is we went to the minor league baseball games um so for a while there was the Battle Creek Battle Cats because that was only half an hour from my house growing up and then you've got Grand Rapids and Lansing both had um both still have minor league baseball teams yep single A uh, yep um mm. Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo both have minor league hockey teams Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And now living on the other side of the state, Midland's got a, um, the Midland Loons. So they are the Great Lake Loons. So they've got a minor league baseball team. You know what, Kathleen? Those people have something to play for. They they're do. Not in the, they don't have any money and they're trying to get to the, to the next level, right? Right. So it must be cool to watch them. It is. Yeah. It's my always fun. Only, my only struggle that I've realized 
going to the Saginaw Spirit game, so the um, the ECHL Hockey League team this year, them looking at their birth years on the calendar on their on the the roster with the they age yeah, out that. they age out at twenty. Oh God, you starting to feel like they're oh, uh, great. Oh my word! I'm like, like <laughs> I remember the years yeah, these yeah. kids were born. This is insane. <laughs> I remember when Nirvana's album came out. Leave me alone, all right? I, come on. <laughs> oh when the God, first that's a knife in the heart right there. <laughs> like, I was there. You, you know? know, I was. I was honestly talking to somebody about this the other day because we were talking about you know what where there was a, a shift in your musical interests. So I grew up, you know, in, in the city of Muskegon until uh, I was about 12 years old in, in Michigan. And I listened to a lot of like, you know, bubblegum pop, R&B, you know, things like that. I was big into the band New Edition, if you remember them. Sure. And, uh, you know, Bobby uh, Brown. Mr. Was in that's that right. Mr. Telephone Man, Cool It Now, all that kind of stuff. Those were my jams. Yeah, I was yeah, big on sure. those. I used to listen to them like all the time. And it all changed with one drum beat from Dave Grohl. As soon as I heard oh, smells like yeah. teen spirit with, with that opening chord, the, and then the, yep. and then the drum beat just comes in and just, I was done right there. I'm like, I got to get that album. Where's that album? I need that album. And I was done. And then that sent me down this grunge pathway, you know, if you guys are really funny to me, so I was like an eighties um, hair metal guy. So Ooh, I nice. remember like po- Poison and yeah. like Skid Row. And mm-hmm. and so S- Sebastian Back from Skid Row is actually writing a blurb for my new book, which is kind of like beyond crazy. That's but, how cool um, is that? Oh my God. You know, I, I can't even, I can't believe it ha- it's happening. But, um, but I was into that. So I was into Guns N' Roses, all that. Oh yeah. And then, oh yeah. You know, but I was, I was a kid then. I was really, you know, I was your age. I was young. And then all of a sudden Nirvana happened in 91. And Pearl Jam, which I know you said you're, you're a fan of, Mm-hmm. And all like all of a sudden, my whole like it opens up your mind to something else. You yeah. know, we, we all of a sudden all these possibilities are there where bands like Blind Melon can happen and, and all these things can happen. Ooh, nice. And nice they one. do, right? I mean, they can happen, you know. And yeah. so pic, the Pixies became or Sonic Youth and all these things happened. And so, um, you know, I was lucky to, to be there and uh, I'm, I'm still, uh, look, he's bopping. He's into he it. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're you're talking about my jams now. See, and All it's right. funny. Yeah. It's like I was I was born in '92, so I was two years old when Kurt Cobain died. Oh, so you remember the album when it came out? <laughs> <laughs> she curled up with that night. Like, right she there. was sleeping with the Nevermind album and everything. That's right. Yeah, she was <laughs> cuddled up with the cassette. My brothers are 12 and 10 years <laughs> older than me, so I'm sure it was playing. I'm sure my 12 year old brother yeah, had yeah. it. Yeah, because he was 12 at the point. Yeah, like, but <laughs> even then, like you start talking about 80s hair metal and I love 80s music. My daughter yeah, was hopping yeah. around the house singing Cyndi Lauper the other day, which I am so proud of. Like, awesome. she has awesome. declared that girls just want to have fun as her favorite song and she wants to listen put, to it on repeat. Put some like, Billy Idol on. Put some Billy Idol on eventually. You have to get there. Get we're going to do it. <laughs> nice. But it's nice. so much fun because you have all of the different genres and you can blend them all together and you yeah. have this crazy playlist of just fun just it's fun oh i love it i love that you're mixing it all that's so cool yeah and and you know what your kid will be better off for it i think she will be i think so agreed agreed yeah so i have one more question because a recent tweet of yours made me smile so much because i am 100 in agreement with it your tweet was wordle status still not playing 
<laughs> Let me tell you, that status still stands. Hey, that's I, awesome. I, I that is I awesome that playing. that still stands. What is it? What is it? I don't, I, don't, I don't play it, so I don't understand it. So I don't play it either. Do uh, my brother, it. One of my brothers and my sister are playing it. So you just, it's like a New York Times, they pick the word of the day and you have six tries to, to guess the word of the day. Like, I, I don't see the purpose behind it whatever everybody keeps posting their status you know wordle and there's all these green squares and you know and i'm like yay you got green squares instead of black or gold i don't get it whatever whatever you know hey have fun with it so but that made me think about all of the pandemic fads that we've had that we've Mm. all had extra time on our hands so suddenly we were making bread and we were watching tiger king and making bread (laughs) Marie condoing our houses because we were we were stuck with nothing else to do. So yeah. which of the pandemic fads did you fall prey to? Did you did you fall for any of them? Zero. I I am I am not in the wordle ever. I can I will not be there. I'm not baking bread. <laughs> um I, I don't I don't what what else are the feds? I, I was there anything I missed? Did you watch Tiger King? Oh, of course I watched that. Well, how could you? It's a train wreck. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I watched it, but I mean, I don't know if I cared about it. Uh, I didn't post about it. I, I mean, look, I, I tried to, um, you know what I did during the pandemic? I stayed home and I relaxed and I watched all my favorites. You know what? I, the best thing about it was I had nothing to do but everything I wanted to do. Right. Which was kind of cool. Um, you, you know, I watched all my favorite series through, read some books I hadn't read wrote um but i didn't do i don't was there a fed i missed that you know kept and there was a lot of there was a lot of just attempting to survive through the first part of the pandemic i when the first lockdown happened my daughter was 18 months old and now i have an almost three and a half year old and we're still in this stupid pandemic (laughs) it has been over half of my daughter's life of her not knowing anything other than grocery stores with masks and places with masks and not being able to have playdates that she wants to have and needs to have. So you end up with this three-year-old who her socialization is her 30-year-old, her almost 30-year-old mother, her 40-year-old father, and her almost 70-year-old grandmother. And now we have a three-year-old who thinks she's an adult. <laughs> wow. She's amazing though. So she is. She's, she's she quite is. fun. She's incredibly verbal. She's Maybe overly. Overly. <laughs> Girl talks in her sleep, which is fine. I'm used to it. I, I am a talker. Does she, tell, I, does she tell you anything important? Uh, usually it's something about Paw Patrol puppies and oh. sharks. That was the one last night. She was talking about sharks in her sleep. No, that I'd, write, I'd, I'd write that down. I'd write it down. I should. I really, really should. <laughs> All right, Mike, we have one final question for you. Sure. All right, we call this our silly questions. You can answer this as silly or as serious as you'd like. You got it. Here goes. If you were a brand, what would your slogan be? Hmm, a brand. I I, I think um, uh, faith in chaos. I like there you that. go. I think that's the title of your next book. There you go. All right. Uh- <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Where can our viewers and listeners go to find out more about your work and what you've got coming? Great. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Amazon, on barnesandnoble.com. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm at Instagram, at Mike Figs, uh, Mike A. Figs. I'm sorry, at Mike A. 
the letter A figs. And at Twitter at Mike Figs. Uh, this is my book, just in case you guys haven't seen it yet. There it is. Yay, wow. Very cool. And um, yeah, you know, pick it up. I have a new book coming out hopefully next year. I'm working on securing that whole deal right now. So it's nice. written, it's ready to go. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm shopping the first book around for some movie stuff. So there's some things happening in 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 my um nice. in, in, in my atmosphere that I'm really excited about. So yeah, I'm really I'm really excited about all of it and uh I really appreciate your, you guys having me here today. Of course, we yeah. are going to make sure that we link your socials and the Amazon link for your book as well so that they can find it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. And so for our listeners, I want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show to continue to grow and make sure that we get more amazing guests like Mike here today to have these great conversations with. So please subscribe. And while you're doing that, go check out Mike's work as well. You're going to want to see what else he has got coming up. So I want to remind you, remember kids, pop culture is all around you. It influences every part of our lives. So be sure to come back right here next week. We'll have your fix waiting for you on Pop Culture Addicts. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at pcapodshow at gmail.com.